411Live. Where you can learn about issues that affect us every day. Stay the world. 411Live. Real people, real talk. Made to help people in our community in every way. For your girl. Identifying male victims of sex trafficking is a real challenge because most of them don't want to talk about it, and it is understandable. Traffickers control their victims with force, fraud, or deception. Hello, I'm Beverly Taylor, and this is the 411 Live, Real People, Real Talk. What we try to do is expand the discussion and the awareness about human trafficking, specifically sex trafficking. We have done a multitude of video podcasts. We're in our second season, so I invite you to look at our previous ones because there is a wealth of information. We have had some wonderful guests. And I include these guests in that. We have three fantastic guests joining me today. And we are talking about how do men and boys handle sexual abuse and heal. You can already tell this is a dynamic discussion. I invite you to... Um, Give us your comments or your suggestions as you're listening to this, because we want you to be part of our discussion as well. Let me introduce you to my guests. We have Sean Muhammad, executive director, uh, co-executive director, I yes, should ma'am. say, of ASHA. Welcome to you. Thank you. And we have Sam Alford, who is a community organizer, a writer, and a poet. Thank you. Did I get... I got some of them, right? right. <laughs> and we also have Khalil Borum, who is a licensed professional counselor. And welcome to you. Thank you. As I said, this, this is a loaded discussion. Yeah. But it's one that really needs to be told and brought out. We have done, like I said, a multitude of podcasts. And, but although we mention that males, men our victims, you know, we mention it, but the majority of the focus is on women. Right. We don't really talk about the men. So this is one reason why I'm really excited about this discussion. Absolutely. Because we talk about sex trafficking being hidden in plain sight. This is really hidden in plain sight. Absolutely. Because men don't want to talk about this. Right. Um, is that what you are seeing are in your profession? Are you seeing a little bit more of the disclosure? Is it getting better? Well, I would say in, in my profession, uh, I primarily conduct groups uh, with men who have issues of anger, uh, conflict resolution, um, acts of aggression, you know, batters, intervention, things of that nature. So from time to time, I would say, I guess I could say it's increasing as far as men being willing to disclose that they were raped or molested, uh, sexually assaulted. Yeah. Uh, I guess initially in my my uh, work with Asha, I didn't get a lot of that. But uh, as of late, I would say that it is increasing. Yeah, and we should mention you've been with Asha for over twenty years. Yes, yes. Okay, ma'am. so times are are changing, maybe Absolutely. for the better right. in that respect. You know, with women, we can disclose to each other. Women can talk to each other about problems, issues. Um, 
you know, s- sexual assault or be- being a victim of sex trafficking, that, that, that's a heavy discussion. Right. That may take a while, but f- sooner it or later, out. it usually comes out. Right, right. But for men, you don't have that kind of relationship that women do. Right. Am I right. correct on that? No, you're correct. A lot of males, uh, especially young men, they they got a wall up and they're not going to reveal any of that information. Mm-hmm. So if they've been molested or sex trafficked or anything, uh, that that it goes on the other side of that wall. Um, the appearance of being cool, um, you know, I want to I, I want to be a strong man. Right is the bigger thing for them. So they're not going to let anything, you know, anything that they may seem that's weak. Right. And revealing something like that is would, would show a sign of maybe weakness to them. Right, right. Um, so the best thing for them is to just try to be quiet about it, you know, throw it in the closet and let it stay there. Right. And then, you know, it's a, it's a stigma, you mm-hmm. know, that comes with that, you know, whether it's a justifiable stigma or not, but it's a stigma of, you know, maybe they don't want to be viewed as a man who has sex with men, you know, or they don't want to be viewed as, like Brother said, as weak. Mm-hmm. I couldn't protect myself. I couldn't right. defend myself. So, you know, to keep that, to stay away from being stigmatized, they they keep it on the other side of that wall, as Brother mentioned. Yeah. You know, uh, Zornel Hurston said something. Uh, my best friend loves this quote that, uh, or oh, that's one of our favorite authors, but that if we're quiet about our pain, then when we die, they'll say we enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if we quiet about that pain, that when we die, somebody like, man, he was all right. He always seemed like he was happy. They'll say we enjoyed it. And that what, what became unconscionable to me as being a survivor, being a victim, you know, then being a thriver. Right. And I think it is, but it's a culture, it's a cultural thing, of course, for when men, one, I think it's innate that men want to be respected. And want right. that to be revered. As much as women need to be loved, we need to be respected. It's literally on the same right. spear. Right. You know what I mean? Because your man could be like, I respect you all day and never show you no love. And you'd be like, you'd be upset and you'd right. be complaining. So it's the, on the reverse. Mm-hmm. But um, there's a culture of violence, right, in the Western world and in America. But it's just this tension and in this culture. Then it adds to when you're a person of color or a minority from an oppressed demographic that... Not only if you've been molested and then you come from all these this community that has less services, as structural violence. I talked to you about that the other mm-hmm. day. Struct violence isn't just physical. You know, right. violence is something trying to harm people. So segregation is violent to me. Poverty to some regards, or not getting a job that I think I need is a violence to me. You know, a lack to education is violence. So people walk around with this violence, this tension, and then it's in their skin. And then men either, like, we either try to self-medicate or we try to transfer that pain. Right. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So you're going to feel me. You know what I mean? Or with these little guys being on 10 all the time. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? It's always mad. Yeah. Speeding or baselining. I got to do something to get away, Mm -hmm. to be free, to transfer this. You know, I need an outlet. Rather than words or identifying emotion or a safe place to do that. Right. 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 Well, since you've started this, let's talk about. I didn't mean to start. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> let's talk about what happened to you because this, this, this is very personal for you. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know, it's not. So I was molested about four years old mm-hmm. by an older teenage cousin, a male, and um, this is ironically maybe four or five. You know, I'm a kid, so. I, 
I looked up to this guy. You know what I mean? Right. Everything he did up to that point, I, was, I thought was cool. Right. Right. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? And he was an authority figure too. Right. But also, I thought he was cool. And you know, I'm a heterosexual guy, and I feel like I was a heterosexual back then. But what four or five year old is like trying to identify what they are? Right. 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 You know what right. I mean? I'm just supposed to be a kid. You don't know. But you know, he orally molested me, then made me do it to him. Right. And that's not something that I, you know, want to go around talking about. I'm grown enough and man enough to say that. And uh, I think it instilled some shame. And um, I didn't tell any family member, or i say my parents, to probably 20-something, early 20s. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I would write about it. So I'm a poet and I'm an MC, you know what I mean? Yeah. And just write about stuff in general. But I just, and then there was other incidents where other cousins the whole little, you know, touching and rubbing and all that. Yes. Clothes on, but still like this whole culture right. of this uh, excessive touching and sexual abuse yes. and all that. And even though technically being a teenager has still been a child, uh, but, you know, some of that's learned behavior, maybe something happened now, but it's still children know the difference between right and wrong. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think we need to watch child age group dynamics in terms of when we have people just, y'all go play. You know, like, well, you be this old, you should be playing with this right. kid that young. Right. Yeah. You know, we were talking about um, the secrecy and not wanting to disclose. But for you, um, from our previous discussions, you found some healing in the, the poetry and yeah. the raps. And yeah. you could there was a there was an outlet for you through that. Right. Yeah. But I think it started with a lot of shy, silence mm. and shyness. So maybe that's only late middle school. Mm hmm. You know, I was, you know, open and expressive with my family, but there's a lot of silence. There's a lot of times I didn't have a voice. I didn't feel okay still to speak up, you know, even sometimes now. So on the other end, I had this extreme where, like, you know, I need some ventilation. You know what I mean? You need ventilation. You need an outlet. You need to breathe. So the poetry and the catharsis of writing yeah. and all that did become a great outlet. Um, shout out real quick to one of my great teachers, uh, Ron Distingley, at North Division in the junior year. Um, I went to Milwaukee Lutheran for two years, took mm -hmm. myself out, <laughs> and I didn't plan on going to North, but it wound up getting stuck there. And it had its challenges, ups and downs, but there was an African-American literature teacher named Ron Distingley ah. who tried to uh, make me sing in the choir, and um, I wasn't going, <laughs> but I loved her teaching. And I wrote a piece, and that was my first time I had a voice like that on an open platform in front of the auditorium. It did a great job. So... It's progressive in finding yeah. your voice. Yeah. When we talk about the um, sexual molestation, um, you know, that makes, I, when I talk with women, when that happens to them at a very young age, that makes them very vulnerable to a sex trafficker. Right. Because he can pick up on that vulnerability. Would that be the same with a man? I think... Um, Men are going to try to prove that they're not weak. Or in our culture and in minority cultures, especially if you're heterosexual, that it was done by that, that he's not gay. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And I think that we try to find power or we try to find pleasure where we lost power, I heard somebody say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the moment of me losing that power, you know what I mean? Oh, well, let me go get it. Or somebody got to go do this to me. Like, I could have had more sex or could have went and had, you know what I mean? And just... Mm -hmm been aggressive and had the wrong outlets trying to find power again or mm -hmm. trying to find pleasure. I heard this one author, I think her name started as a Roxanne, but she was talking about women in domestic violence situations. 
and this one woman lost a child and she had a domestic violence situation. But she purposely chose an abuser because she wanted to feel a different kind of pain. Wow. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes with that principle, we try to go find a different kind of pain or 10 pleasures to stack up over this one pain mm-hmm. to make it all right. So I think it makes you vulnerable to, if not sex trafficking, to like being trafficked, which you can definitely because you look for a safe place or a father figure. On the end, men need, we want to feel powerful and in control and not just abusive. Self-agency empowers, I can pay my rent or I can drive this car, I can mm-hmm. do this. And the irony of the toxicity, and I say this quick in the black American culture, is that if you ain't got no girls, you're weak. If you ain't doing, if you ain't aggressive, hyper-aggressive, you're weak. And this and that. So if I'm an innocent boy and I'm trying to fit in with players or young pimps or young drug dealers, right. what am I going to become? Because my cultural, it dictates to me. So the vulnerability is I'm going to try to find affirmation this way right. rather than the healthy I, I would agree with you on, on that. I would say that, uh, you know, in my experience, uh, brothers aren't vulnerable to traffickers, but they would be more apt to go to be a trafficker mm-hmm. or more apt to be hyper aggressive, yeah, yeah. you know, to keep uh, mm-hmm. predators away from them. Yeah. You know, so, uh, you know, even if it's just to mask their fear or their insecurities, yeah. But more so, you know, in my experience, they really go on the other side or the other yeah. scale or the spectrum. Right. That's right. a good. That's that's a good point. I I wonder the percentage of traffickers. How many are were abused or right. sexually assaulted? Initially, I think the trafficker is the he was abused too, or right. that situation. Um, a lot of times, and, and go back to your point. Um, Kids, for the most part, are looking for a mentor, that mm. father figure that's not there. Absolutely. Um, in the neighborhoods, property neighborhoods, uh, you have the drug dealer. Mm-hmm. The drug dealer might be a predator, but he and he has this money. He's showing all. He got the nice cars, uh, fancy clothes, nice place. Mm-hmm. And uh, when kids look at that, they're saying, "Okay, I want to be like him. So I'm gonna do whatever I can to to you know be like him." Mm-hmm. Even if he wants to have sex with me, even though I might not know it's right or not or wrong or whatever, right? Uh, right. I see. Okay, I, I see a, a financial uh, uh, break yeah. out of just dealing with this guy, even though I know he's not right. Right. Yeah. And right. it's a it's a difficult situation for a young man, um, kids. Period. Right. right. And then they go through the rest of their life. Then they, when they realize that what they were doing, and then it's like, wow. Okay, I, I'm not that person. Right. <laughs> How did I get stuck there? No, that's true. You know, I, I I would say that I've had two types of men that disclosed to me. Um, I have the man that's, like we said, hyper-aggressive. Mm-hmm. He's quick to get violence, quick to anger, you know, quick to be abusive. Right. Um, and I also have the the man that's probably confused about his sexuality. You know, he may not uh, necessarily identify with being gay, you know, but I've had men disclose to me that, you know, they were confused because, you know, maybe they had an erection during the molestation or maybe they ejaculated during the Mm -hmm. molestation and in their heart they didn't like it, 
but they're confused because their body responds. Because their body responds, right, right, you know. Right, right. So, so you know, those are the the primary men that I dealt with that disclosed to me, you know, where on one end, I'll never allow this to happen to me again. Mm-hmm. Anybody who even attempts to do it is going to get this work for me. Right, 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 right. But on the other end, I usually get young men or even older men who I've had disclosed to me that were confused. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if I'm gay. Maybe I am gay. Mm-hmm. I've had relationships with men, but I actually didn't like it. But my body responded. Right. Did I like it? You know, so those were the two type of men that I had disclosed to me. Hmm. Very good. All right. A lot more to discuss. We are going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the effects and just a little bit more about a lot of stuff. (laughs) So stay with me. Join our three guests. We have, again, a lot to talk about. And if you have questions, comments, send them our way. We'll be right back. The 411 Live, your link to information. And now, here's your food for thought. When he said I could have everything I've ever wanted, I didn't expect it to slip through my fingers in a split second. I started out as a girl living a life of happiness with someone I believed I could trust. Then he twisted what I saw into a world of darkness. He took away my innocence, broke me down until I was no longer a human being, sent me into the streets to find date after date, bed after bed, so I could earn the cold hard cash he couldn't wait to spend. People think I'm a lost cause, someone just looking for a good time, when in reality, I'm being trafficked and they don't know the signs. This is only one example of sex trafficking. Maybe other victims can escape if everyone learns the signs before it's too late. For more information, visit the411live.org. Why is he talking to you like that? Private. As parents, we all want to give our kids space. But how often do we consider their phone conversations or their social media accounts? As much as it may annoy them, occasionally monitoring their profiles isn't a bad idea. The world of sex trafficking is a lot more alluring than you may think. Anyone can be vulnerable to the tricks used to exploit millions of girls and boys each year. It's a horrifying experience, and it isn't easy to talk about. Well, I always keep my eyes open. It's never too early to educate your kids on the issue of sex trafficking. For more information, visit the411live.org. Welcome back to the 411 Live. Our topic today is how boys and men handle sexual abuse and heal. We are talking with my three guests, and when we ended the conversation, we were talking about that sexual confusion and, you know, the thing where uh, a boy is uh, molested or abused young and the body responds. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, they don't know what's happening to them. And later on, they think, well, well, maybe, maybe I'm gay because my body responded. You said you wanted to t- tackle that one. Yeah. Um, first, about the choice uh, and sexuality of being a choice to who be who you want to be. Some people debate that. But in terms of just a human having a choice of who they want to have sex with or who they don't, kids can't consent to sex. Kids can't sign contracts. Kids can't do a lot of things because they don't have the capacity or the informed decision to make those choices. And when a molester or a predator makes it for you, um, and then you think that that's how you're supposed to be, that's damaging. And then that's when sex become weaponized and to take somebody's power. Yes, sir. So 
for me, I was never homosexual and never thought I was. But in terms of me being a young boy, that's somebody else's sexual preference being weaponized against me. Right. And then I'm left to deal with the ramifications. Mm-hmm. Now, ironically, my abuser later in adult life said he became a homosexual man. And actually later on, I seen that he had AIDS. Living a whole nother city for me. I don't really know him like that. You know, ever since that, it's kind of been over. So it's not knocking hetero or homosexual or even making those judgments or calls. People can be what they want to be. But it's making a point of individual to have a choice mm-hmm. and somebody else taking that choice against them. So I know that there's a lot of women and people watching who've been abused by males and men. And I empathize and I don't excuse no abuser, male or female, white or black. But I just know how when sex can be weaponized against you, it's very damaging. And I'll say this real quick, as you brothers know, especially Gat, that back in the day in slavery, you know, you had slave owners who would yes, rape women, women and men. Yes, and they sir. called it buck breaking. Yes, sir. Buck like cattle or like, you know, male or female. And they would rape or molest black men to weaponize sex, to break their spirits yes, and take their power and agency from them. So especially when the two sexes are preferences are different it's even but even if it's the same even if you do like the sex that you have it with the type of gender that you're dealing with but it's just weapon and the kids can't consent and predatory behavior isn't right in any form and the last piece is the biological thing that mm-hmm. the body responds to it's built the nerves it's like a machine yes sir and if a dog come and lick you and touch you the right right way or wrong way and you sleep your body's gonna respond you know what i mean so we are to inform our emotions, to inform our body or our biology. But think about all that generational trauma and that extra stuff pushed down. Yeah. And I just just wanted to clear that up in terms of choice, consent, and uh, you know, just the history of sex being weaponized. Yes, sir. You know, when we talk about secrecy, you know, with women, if you're, and I've talked to many women who were sexually abused by a family member. Mm-hmm. You know, it was an yeah. uncle, it was a cousin, it was a father. Um, and for a boy, for this to happen, say a family member, I can see that don't tell anybody, you don't say anything, or if they do tell, it's what happens in this house stays in this house. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. You know, yeah, um, I, I could really see that as a... Um, an issue with boys. A lot of times, uh, what I've ran ran across was um, the family member was, was a, a, a big name, a strong member in the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, the kid is 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 maybe expressing different things, but then the family members don't believe it. Yeah, it's you know, happening a lot. And the kids, you know, they they may not know how to express it, articulate the the language to what, what's going on. Um, if you were four years old, you don't know. How to say okay? This guy is doing something to me. Right. He's he's touching me in a in an inappropriate way. You may think it's family member. This is the love, mm. you know. Right, um, right, right. And and it's not. But it can yeah. be misinterpreted by a young mind. Right. Yeah. You yeah. you're naive. You don't know better. Right. Right. You know? It's a hard thing to 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 bite. You know, as far as a little kid to, right. to be able to just like uh, what I was mentioning earlier was uh. Dwayne Wade's situation. Mm-hmm. And it's a tough situation for him. Um, and for a 12-year-old, do they really know what sexuality they want, you know, want to have sex with, really? Or be in a relationship with? Um, I really don't, I, I would question that. 
Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's got as a parent, I would I would want to look back and say, okay, well, where is this coming from? Why do you feel that way? And you know, I want to find the root of it, mm-hmm. um, compared to just letting you do whatever you want to do right. at twelve years old. Right. Yeah. Let's talk about the effects. The effects. Um, what kind of effect does it have on you? In terms of um, abuse, well, I dealt with other kind of abuse too, uh, some verbal and some physical. Um, from uh, my pops, uh, you know, just sharp, always had the right answer, all that, you know what I mean? So I dealt with other kind of abuse that kind of made me, the effects though, I feel like it was a shyness. Uh, there was an insecurity in terms of whether I was strong, whether I was weak, you know what I mean? Or whether I should speak up on something. And it kind of instilled a self-doubt, a second or third question. And then later when I found my voice, um, sometimes in excess, I speak. You know what I mean? Or I right. rap. Like now at home, I was writing or doing some poetry and I began to find my place. But I was I needed the seasons. So I was like shy, withdrawn, traumatized, mm-hmm. you know, put it plain. Um, and then it was like super outspoken, loud, hard to focus, this and that. But usually like kind of playful and fun, almost right. like a Will Smith type of guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or kind of Tupac, you know, two cats I looked up to, but I noticed that I was free-flowing and energetic and all that. Mm-hmm. Underneath, now somebody watching right now who's a whole different person inside than with how they present. Because mm-hmm. they might have joy and have love, but how we do things so we can survive. You know, like Simone said, who was here, and I know Simone from other, um, like people do stuff, they're surviving mechanisms, but you outgrow those and they get old. And you yes, need sir. to find a new way to live and cope and deal and just to be free and just to really find your voice and find that you can take up space in this world is a big thing. Right. Man, I, I commend you, brother, you know, because it really, it takes courage to heal. Yeah. You know? Yeah, man. I mean, it's easy to just put on one of the defense mechanisms yeah. or, you know, a, a lot of my uh, clients, you know, I don't like to call them clients, but a lot of the brothers that I've dealt with, you know, some of the symptoms, I guess, would be anxiety, a yeah. lot of anxiety. Yeah. I got that. Aggression, you know, even violent behavior, you know. A lot of times we become what we right. what right. we hate. You get a culture. You become the perpetrator. Yeah. You like the predator. You know? yeah. So yeah. you know, a lot of the a lot of what I do is unpack it and yeah. sh- you know, show them or try to facilitate them unlearning. Yeah. What they learn. Say that again. I'm learning. You know? Yeah. Why are you mad? So, I mean, and that's a that's one thing I noticed here in Milwaukee. Uh, I'm retired Air Force, and I've been back here since uh, well, since 2014. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I retired out of South Carolina, and every everybody down there is so friendly and yeah. just peaceful. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I came here, and people were just so mad. Yeah. You know, you go up to a, a, a brother and say, "Hey, how you doing?" Man, what you talking about? Don't talk to me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's a tension. Right. It's, it's a it's a tension here. White and black. Yeah. I mean, everywhere. The whole culture. And, and yeah, it's not it's not just black people. Yeah. Uh, it's white people too. They yeah. they more or less won't speak to you either. Yeah. Um, and it's it's something going on as far as the 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 men and the women around in in the city for some reason. Yeah. Um we have to figure that out. It's it's something that's it's a tension there. Mm-hmm. And um Mm. They got a thing down south. It's called pay it forward. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. And um, I don't know. A lot of people may not know it up here. When I ask, tell people about it, 
down south, you know, you might go through Wendy's drive through and somebody paid it for it. They, yes, they bought your food. Right. Yes, sir. Um, I've never had that. I was getting it done like every <laughs> every time I go to a fast place, fast yeah. food place down there. Wow. But you go here, you get to the to the window, the lady like, hear your stuff, you know. Yeah. Right. We don't yeah. have any honey. Ice cream machines don't work. We don't have cash. That's yeah. funny. Well, yeah. be- believe it I'm or not, I'm to ask for ice cream. <laughs> hey, <laughs> believe it or not, man, I I paid it forward. So you do times. know that, yeah? Term. And I okay. and I've actually had people that's a good do brother. it for me as well. Okay. You know, okay. So, you know, Milwaukee is a strange place, man. It's uh, yeah, man. I always tell my um children because you know they see me doing work in the community and mm-hmm. you know i have friends who are like you know man what, why are you wasting your time you know and i always tell them you know milwaukee is kind of like if you had an ugly baby <laughs> <laughs> you know you, you still gotta love it and nurture it <laughs> it's still yours you know you gotta take care of that baby you know right. that's actually, grow up that's to be some somebody handsome or beautiful right. or successful right. you know right and that was the thing. Well, even when I was in the service, uh, you know, they when I tell people I'm from Milwaukee, they're like, "You from Milwaukee? Are you cheesehead or whatever?" You know, uh, and they don't know, and right. they like, okay, they see stuff on CNN, and they say, "Oh man, Milwaukee's violent. It's always yeah. stuff going on there," you know. And uh, but I tell them to say, you know, you come here, you'll see a beautiful side. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I'm not going to take yeah. you in the in the hood. <laughs> I'm going to take you to the nicer places, the ni- the newer things around here. Yeah. And uh, yeah. and it's sad that, that on the as well media, you know, outside of here is, is that that's all they show. Right. Um, yeah. Well, now they show a little bit more since the Bucks are doing good. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I before. I hope I hope with the spotlight coming with the uh, Democratic National Convention yep. that they'll go broaden out and they will see some of the great things within the city, mm. even in the poor areas of the city. We've absolutely. got some great people, oh, yeah. absolutely. You know, oh, yeah. so yeah. there are um, many. There are many positives in it Milwaukee. Is. Absolutely, right. we're not our best advertisers, though. No, right. you know, That's you know. Yeah. Wow. That's true. I'm sorry, I was. I did a lot of community organizing and political work. I managed a campaign before and activism and all that, blah, 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 right? I've done that, but um, I actually wanted, you know, I'm going back to school to be a therapist, but I'm, I do poetry, as you know. I wanted to do some directing and some film to tell different stories and highlight different things in a real way, but also highlighting that other kind of beauty and the stories and stuff that we have. A documentary or just a feature, mm-hmm. short film kind of thing. Mm. That'd be nice. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So I did some work with Four Women Live. We got something that we're working on, but uh, I'm excited. Yeah. Keep oh, us cool. posted on that, yeah. on the progress, because yeah. that is great. Mm. Well, you guys, we have gone through 30 minutes of talking, and you guys are great, but we still have a lot to talk about. Okay. We need to talk uh, on the other side about, you know, what do you do? Okay, you've been abused. Okay, you're an adult and you're dealing with this stuff back here Mm -hmm. that you need to bring it up to the front, confront it, do what you need to do to move forward in a really positive, constructive way. Right. So we need to talk about that a little bit, too. So we're going to come back for part two, if you guys will stay. Oh, I'll stay. (laughs) 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 That's great. I just want to mention again, our three guests, uh, 
look at my notes so I get the titles all right. John Muhammad, co-executive director of ASHA, and Al Afford. And he is the community organizer. He's the poet and the writer. Oh, I said Sam. Okay, Sam. (laughs) Sam Alper. What did I call you? I think you you said Al, but you know. Okay, Sam. I can be out of you. Oh, no, no. no. (laughs) Cleo Forum, and he is our licensed professional counselor here. So we're going to continue this conversation in part two. As again, we have a lot to talk about, and I hope that you enjoyed this conversation and you will join us again. Remember, the 411 Live is a nonprofit organization. We depend on people like you to help us out. So if you are so inclined to donate, go to our website, the411live.org, and donate. And also, leave comments. Uh, tell us how we're doing. Uh, give us your suggestions uh, for topics, future topics, because we, re- we are going to continue to do these. And we'd like to know what you would like us to talk about. You can look at the previous podcast. You can go to all the different platforms for podcasts, iHeartRadio podcasts, uh, Apple, iTunes, all those places. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, but please look us up. We enjoy you. We enjoy what you say to us. Uh, we, 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 we read it. So thank you and keep that coming. Again, join us for our next time, our next podcast, part two of this. In the meantime, this is the 411 Live. Real people, real talk. I'm Beverly Taylor.